So I want to start today. We finished now the Valentinian meditation on the gospel or Valentinian uh, gospel of truth. And I want to conclude the long um, introduction uh, to Valentinus and his teaching, uh, which we've done in the last many months and uh, nearly 20 talks, actually, with uh, fragments from the, the Lost Writings of Valentinus. That's the title of this page. I read a little bit from that last week. These are selected from Bentley Layton, the Gnostic Scriptures, which was published in 1987. There are basically uh, seven or eight fragments here, or seven fragments and a poem. And then we're going to move into the Gospel of Thomas um, as much as we can, and then first look at the Oxyrhynchus uh, fragments of just uh, basically about a dozen <clears throat> of the Gospel of Thomas um, chapters, and then go to the Coptic of the Gospel of Thomas, which is the whole thing, which is considered the sayings of Jesus himself. And so that's a little different than um, these fragments from Valentinus and the Gospel of Truth, which um, is more um, Gnostic cosmological than uh, you know direct sayings of, of Jesus or Yeshua uh, as he did his work. So this page, Gnosis.org, Library Valentinus Fragments, uh, <clears throat> just just to get a sense, I just think these are very interesting and uh, a different perspective on cosmology and the incarnation of Yeshua. Fragment one, Adam's faculty of speech. The quote, the passage is, something like fear overcame the angels in the presence of that modeled form, i.e. Adam, because he, or Adam, uttered things that were superior to what his origins justified, owing to the agent who had invisibly deposited a seed of higher essence and who spoke freely. So too, in the races of worldly people, human artifacts became objects of fear for their creators. For example, statues and images and everything that is made by human hands as representing a god. For Adam, modeled as representing humanity, made them stand in fear of the pre-existent humanity, the capital H, for precisely the latter stood in him, and they were stricken with terror and quickly concealed the work. Now, uh, my, you know, the angelology or uh, cosmology, cosmological perspective on angels is another matter we can consider, but I want to run through this page, but the notion of fallen angels <clears throat> uh, contradicts um, an Islamic perspective and um, a theosophical perspective and some Christian perspectives on the nature of angels as created by <clears throat> by the Logos or Heavenly Father as being blamed sinless, unable to sin, so that there can't be fallen angels. But there could be lower levels of beings in creation that could be turned to negative or could go negative or are negative. Um, demons and angels in the Buddhism, in Buddhism, Hinduism, we've got devas and asuras. Uh, <clears throat> my sense 
and I believe Islamic cosmology has the same, and metaphysics of Bailey and theosophy has the same. Angels are beings created by the Logos at seven-dimensional levels, some of which evolve, some of which don't evolve, but they don't have free will, and therefore they cannot sin, and they don't have an avail, and therefore, based on whatever level or density they are existing, they have that level's full awareness of unity and God as one or the creator, and therefore live in worship and devotion and um, um, gratitude, uh, clear seeing of creator and creation and purpose and plan. Therefore they cannot sin, or they cannot, they don't have free will, and they can't sin or they can't fall. Now, as to who fell, the fallen angels, it's really unclear. Maybe uh, at another point we'll get into that, but when we talk about the Gnostic view of Demiurge and Archons, those Archons could be seen as fallen angels. They also may simply be Orion, <laughs> or they may be astral plane entities of various levels that have been co-opted by Orion. So as to who they are, if they really are fallen angels, uh, we may not know, we won't know until we're on the other side and there's no veil and we know for sure, but uh, you could substitute uh, Archons and Demiurge for um, Plane or the Old Testament Yahweh, Plane meaning error, want, you know, deceitful, wandering um, falsehood as spoken in the Gospel of Truth as we read, Plane uh, got upset, she, she you know, put as a woman, that could be seen as a stand-in for Demiurge, which could be seen as equivalent to false Yahweh, which is Orion, 40 negative, the angry, jealous, uh, tribal god who punishes and, uh, you know, commands to murder. That's obviously not the Logos or the Heavenly Father. And under that entity, wherever you want to put that entity, um, there are other beings doing the same work, called Archons, and that would be the angels that got afraid in the presence of Adam. Uh, what we're really talking about here could be uh, negative entities, negative, negatively oriented spiritual entities, and Ashuras, or negative ET, uh, and negatively oriented humans uh, that, um, that hate humanity. They hate Adam, they hate Man, they hate Manas. They hate the spark of God in humanity. They hate Atman. They hate the Logos. They hate the Heavenly Father. <clears throat> and that's the way of Ashura, which is jealous, fighting, angry gods in Buddhist Hindu cosmology. Both. Same. Buddhist view, Hindu view, cosmological, higher dimensional, negatively oriented, called Ashuras. Same view, not much different than fallen angels or archons, under a commanding force could be Old Testament angry Yahweh, or um, the Demiurge, or this view of Plane, or these angels that get afraid in the presence of Adam. Why? He uttered things that were superior to what his origins justified, and there, this is sort of the confused view that the Demiurge created this world. But um, the spark of God in man is the agent who invisibly deposited a seed of higher essence and who spoke freely. Why does Orion hate humanity? Because humanity, um, with its uh, spark of God, 
or of the logos, right? Higher self is a sub sub logos, not different, you know, consubstantial with the solar logos, consubstantial with the galactic logos, consubstantial with the one infinite creator or heavenly father, of course. Consubstantiality is why uh, self is the creator, but not the, the personal self of body, mind, spirit, but the total self within which body, mind, spirit complex is one facet. That self, true self, is the creator. And so this is the point that the agent who molded the form of Adam or manas, mind, or uh, essential humanity and human beingness, uh, deposited, invisibly deposited a seed of higher essence and who spoke freely. And so you can say that negative entities, Orion, serves to self, Ashuras, Archons, the Demiurge, uh, Illuminati, New World Order folks, and little agents listening, um, hate uh, freedom. And they hate um, the spark of divinity that is the, the essence of human will. Human free will, or freedom, freedom being the, the condition in which um, will may be free, will may be free to think and speak and do, and that shows the essence um, of the human being being a divine spark of, of power and love light. And so the notion that artifacts become objects of fear for their creators, meaning people, I guess, what, who do a, a sculpture of the Buddha then pray to the Buddha, right? I mean, the, the artist in the temple who makes a 10-foot Buddha statue then ends up having people pray to that Buddha statue, that wooden form, that molded form. Why? Because um, the, 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 the agent, the creator, the, the, uh, the, the creation retains the essence of, the, of its creator. Humanity retains the essential spark of its creator. Human free will is the manifestation of the essential spark of its creator, which is the one infinite creator, or um, the law of free will in love light, <clears throat> or God, the heavenly father's infinite will, expressing itself um, in the molded form of Adam, Adamus, Manas, mind, humanity, uh, as uh, when it's free, or, or as its true nature the consubstantiality of Adam and humanity and earth people um, with its creator. And that's from this invisible deposition of a seed of higher essence. And, and so why do negatives hate? They hate that which is manifest. They hate the creator that manifests freely through its creation because that creator is higher than they are, of course. Orion you know, Illuminists, they're just 3D negative souls. And Orion is just 4D negative. And their teachers are simply 5D negative. Nothing much. Way below Atman. And so there's the fear of um, the, the, the free expression of the Creator through its, through its creation. And so uh, this fragment concludes for Adam or the original man, and in fact Gnostics talk a lot about Adam, Adam, modeled as representing humanity, so Adam 
as the primal uh, template of humanity, Adam made them stand in fear of the pre-existent humanity. The pre-existent humanity is the spark of the Logos in body-mind-spirit complex, or the higher self as sub-sub-Logos, or true self as being one with the Creator, that shines through humanity, because it, it is its source. And ultimately, humanity and Adam and all people uh, are consubstantial, same substance as its source or creator. Identity is source. For precisely the latter stood in him, meaning pre-existent humanity, um, the archetype, the aeonic power of humanas, human, human expressed through manas, meaning the, the fivefold mind expressed through body, mind, spirit, or human beings. That's what the negatives hate and fear, actually. And therefore, they have to control the creation to, uh, as much as they can, limit the creator. And they were stricken with terror and quickly concealed the work. And so, negatives are uh, always operating out of fear. Always. <laughs> whether they, um, whether they uh, act big and tough and kill or not. Fragment two. So, but I think there's a very important point about identity as source, the consubstantiality of creation with its creator, and the negatives being against the creator, um, Adamus, and humanity, and freedom, because uh, without being controlled, it expresses the omnipotence of its source, which is far greater than they. Fragment 2, from the Epistle on Attachments, quote, There is only one who is good, that's from Matthew, Matthew 19.17. His, and then we come out of the quote, his free expression is the manifestation of the Son, meaning the only one who is good is the Heavenly Father. His free expression is the manifestation of the Son. And through him alone can a heart become pure when every evil spirit has been expelled from the heart. For the many spirits dwelling in the heart do not allow it to become pure. Rather, each of them performs its own acts, polluting it in various ways with improper desires. And in my opinion, the heart experiences something like that, like what happens in an inn, meaning a hotel. For the latter, an inn, I-N-N, or a hotel, or a guest house, for the latter is full of holes and dug up and often filled with dung by indecent guests who have no consideration for the place since it does not belong to them. Just so, a heart too is impure by being the habitation of many demons until it is cared for. But when the Father, who alone is good, visits the heart, he makes it holy and fills it with light. And so a person who has such a heart is called blessed, for that person will see God. Only one who is good means only the Heavenly Father which we can, as well as the Soter, or the Logos, or the Solar Logos, or the Creator of the Octave, only that one is free of distortion. Only that one is free of sin. Sin um, not taken in a simple way, but as the esoteric basis of distortion or avidya. Only the Logos, or what is outside the Octave, is free of avidya. Tenth fetter, basic ignorance. It is free of the illusion of limits is free of um, the illusion or, or, of false selfhood or experience of separation. 
is free of Maya and um, distortion and service to self tendencies. Only the one who's really, I mean, Atman is pretty close to free from, you know, negative tendency, of course, but certainly on the way up to Atman, um, we all have uh, service self tendency or distortion or sin or uh, selfishness and greed and anger um, because we still have a sense of self. <laughs> only the one free of self is free of uh, selfishness, of course. That's only even above Atman. Um, is finally free of um, false selfhood, false identity. Only one who is good, that's Heavenly Father, his free expression is the manifestation of the Son. So, one infinite creator, intelligent infinity, gives rise to the Logos. First principle, second, of course. And so, the Son, S-O-N, is like Yeshua, is like the Son, S-U-N, or Solar Logos, which comes out of the Galactic, which comes out of the one infinite creator, Heavenly Father. So the free expression uh, of Heavenly Father comes out to Son, or a free expression of the Logos comes out as Higher Self, and Higher Self works with God. Through Him alone, meaning the Son, can a heart become pure. So who is the Son? Well, actually, you can say Jesus, you can say the Christ Principle, you can say Green Ray, you can say Atman, um, none come but the, to the Father but through the Son. What Son? The Son is the Logos. The Son is the Word. The Son is the Logos, or Solar Being. The Son is ultimately the Logoic Principle that is the essence of Higher Self, which means none get to none get to infinity but through unity, and none get to unity but through love, and none get to solid establishing of love without love, wisdom, and balance. So, seeking... Um, you know, the full development of what we are and full freedom and, and honesty is the seeking of love and wisdom, which leads ultimately to achievement of unified self or freedom from uh, the sense of, of separate separation and freedom from death that is Atman or Sixth Density or Higher Self, unified self, or the law of one. That's, I believe, the sun, and that is, uh, that is the way to intelligent infinity. Uh, the Father, uh, none come to the Father but through the Son. None get to intelligent infinity or get out of the octave except through higher self, which is, you know, <laughs> a full development of love, wisdom, and balance. Obviously, you don't have to join a religion uh, to develop seven chakras. Anybody who thinks you have to develop a religion <laughs> or, you know, follow some doctrine to develop seven chakras doesn't understand. But seven chakras have to be developed, yeah. <laughs> the self that is must be fully developed. That's the son that goes to the father. Uh, if you want to, you know, <laughs> people who don't understand the limitation of words uh, will reject that. Only through him alone, through the son, through, again, you can say through Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, but you can also say um, true self, Atman, love, wisdom, um, boundless love wisdom <laughs> highly crystallized and developed love wisdom is there something impure about that so only through him or the mediating principle can the heart become pure and what is this purity this purity is expelling evil spirits from the heart it's um, breaking uh, attachment with negative negative astral forces 
or the tendencies that are associated with the roots of the three poisons, right? I mean, what's the base, the, the basis of sin or distortion or evil is what? Well, Gautama said it's the three poisons, right? Greed, desire, um, anger, aversion, hatred, and delusion, ignorance, um, dull, foggy mind, and fear. These three poisons are the basis for which negative entities and spirits attach to the human being. So free yourself of distortion, and the negative entities and negative spirits will go elsewhere. But it is true, I think, metaphysically or esoterically, yeah. Um, when, we, when we have habits to anger, when we have habits to greed, when we have habits to fear or self-harming, those habits are amped up by astral entities that are attached to the energy fields. Yes, indeed. By the, the distortions we carry that we haven't healed. The wounding we haven't healed, the distortions we haven't rectified by love wisdom. If you don't rectify distortions, then yeah, your energy fields become a habitation for lower astral entities who amp up and feed off and parasitize and drain from. Um, the continued manifestation of those distortions. And so, like um, travelers in a guest house who don't give a shit about the place because it doesn't belong to them, just like these entities, um, this the heart becomes impure by being a habitation of many demons. Yeah, but the problem isn't the demons. The problem is distortions unrectified, wounding unhealed, conflicts unresolved, um, tendency core beliefs about self and other and world and life and purpose that lead us to continually fall into greed, desire, selfishness, and anger, aversion, hatred, and fear, delusion, ignorance, uh, dull mind. Nah, that's the problem. So, <laughs> if, you, if, you, um, if, if you have strict rules for the guest house, the, um, the rude guests don't come. So the, the key is to be free of self-pollution or distortion or go find the roots of, of uh, what Gautama would call unskillful uh, behavior. And so, as we saw in the sutta before, uh, attending to irritation, paying attention to irritation and frustration amps up anger, hatred, and aversion. Attending to what's attractive and the desirable and what I want more and more you know, leads to the growth of uh, greed and desirousness, endless desiring. And attending wrongly in general, or not knowing what to pay attention to, or not knowing what's important and what's not, leads to the growth of delusion and fear and um, basic delusional, you know, uh, materialist values that don't really help us and, and serve us well. So purify the mind uh, the roots of mind, and then the three poisons will diminish, and the the indecent guests won't stay at the guest house of body mind spirit complex. But when the father, or when one has gnosis, or one one seeks sincerely love wisdom, then um, the father by that pure seeking, the father or the principle of uh, higher self, <laughs> the logoic principle of salvation, sotar. Um, will visit the heart, make it holy, fill it with light. And um, that's love light. 
And so a person with such a heart is called blessed, for that person will see God. The kingdom of heaven is within. Within what? Within the heart of mind. But that's not a personal possession. Within the heart of mind is the kingdom of heaven. And there you'll see God, or the Heavenly Father, or um, the boundless love, wisdom, or purity um, of all that is, and what is as the face of God, all as the face forms of the Heavenly Father. Yeah, can be seen. But only by purified intentionality, purified intentions, and freedom from irritation, particularly freedom from focusing on irritation, even though we have lots of irritation. Okay. But we don't have to focus, or we can prefer goodwill. And so the antidote for the uh, rooting, seeding of anger, aversion, hatred, the antidote for anger, aversion, hatred is a focus on goodwill. Even if there's all this problem and I feel irritated, I'd rather be in goodwill than to walk around hating. Fragment 3, from the epistle to Ag Agatopus. Uh, like Agamemnon, Agatopus, Agatopus, Agatopus. This was an epistle, I guess, written by Valentinus, who almost again became Bishop of Rome. Fragment 3. He was continent, enduring all things. The risen Jesus digested divinity. He ate and drank in a special way without excreting his solids. He had such a great capacity for continence, that the nourishment within him was not corrupted, for he did not experience corruption. And there is a very um, strange um, facet, doc, portion of Buddhist doctrine um, that talks about, another way of talking about the three poisons, um, anger, greed, delusion, or grasping, aversion, ignorance, Another way of looking at them as ashravas, asavas, also called leaks, L-E-A-K, leaks or taints, leak, like a leakage. And that notion of distortions or tendencies of three poison tendencies of mind, which cause bad karma or create more suffering, as leakage is... Um, is alluded to in Valentinian Gnostic way here by saying that uh, resurrected, risen Jesus uh, had a great capacity for continence. He didn't um, excrete solids. It means that uh, you can, maybe Jesus didn't take a shit, I don't know. But mm, the, the symbolic meaning could be, or one way of looking at it symbolically, uh, is full combustion, full digestion of experience, the 100% pure um, uh, efficient use of catalyst. So the efficient use of catalyst is whatever comes in comes out as love wisdom. Whatever comes at me, whatever comes up in body mind, sensations and thoughts and perceptions, whatever people come at me, whatever situations arise and are around me, my my output is love wisdom only. The only emotion is love, Ross said. For the fully balanced entity, no situation would have emotional charge, but would be a situation in which they can observe an opportunity to be of service, Ross said. This is, I think, um, um, associated with this kind of metaphysical continence. Enduring all things without creating sin, meaning without coming back with poison. 
uh, eating at all, digested divinity. And um, Rudy, Rudrananda, big white man, um, follower of Nityananda, sort of, who was very critical of Nityananda being so enormous, which shows Rudy's ignorance at that time. Um, but not a bad teacher, Rudy Rudrananda did some translations or compilations. His publishing, Rudra Press, I think, did some Nityananda uh, compilations later. Also talked about six chakra as eating, um, eating experience. <laughs> uh, experience, which Ra calls catalyst, um, being fully assimilated, in Rudy's view, of, by six chakra, the six chakra eats experience and makes everybody his servant, which is a strange, sort of a unhelpful way of looking at it, really in the sense it makes good use of all experience um, for continued development along the path. But this notion of eating divinity, like the, the communion with the wafer and the wine, or the water and the wine and the wafer and the blood and the body of flesh, the flesh and the blood of Christ, eating it at the communion, is ultimately, I would say, um, a symbolic act associated with the esoteric understanding that um, purity of, of seeking, or what Yeshua was here, was a pure, uh, an example of pure purity in action, uh, where all that came to him he digested, and um, there was no waste material left behind um, received all and offered love light fully in return and left no trace behind great capacity for continence so continence as abstinence as like celibacy or don't don't eat and drink or whatever um, taken symbolically is the non-production of distortion upon a purified meeting of experience. Meeting experience full-hearted, full love wisdom, full loving wisdom, fully heart-mind meeting experience, offering only heart-mind or love wisdom in return, enduring all, which means manipulating and controlling and trying to take advantage of none. Um, this is a kind of purity of continents leaving no trace behind uh, um, the Taoists have some view understanding of this too so I don't think that it's talking about physical excretion but um, non-corruption of mind and intention non-corrupted consciousness mm, consciousness at one with the law of one at one with the father or living in the law of one so that is a freedom from corruption that leads to um, full combustion or digestion of experience or catalyst um, with simply love wisdom as the response uh, and no confusion or no residue uh, left behind. Fragment 4, Annihilation of the Realm of Death. Quote, From the beginning you are immortal and children of eternal life. You wished to distribute death amongst yourselves so as to consume it and annihilate it, so that death might die in and through you. For when you dissolve the world and are not yourselves dissolved, you rule over creation and over the whole of corruption. 
there is actually um, something, I think, a, a reference to this uh, in the Gospel of Thomas about um, ruling over creation uh, after this sort of purification process is complete. And rule over doesn't necessarily mean dominate, because Yeshua rejected um, ruler, political worldly rulership. Yeah, he really did. So we're not talking about ruling in a political worldly way. We're talking about having sovereignty over the seven dimensions. Okay, that's all. We're talking about having freedom to come and go through the seven realms of the rainbow, uh, as the Logos does as uh, Buddhas and Avatara do. Yeah. Um, as complete and perfect enlightenment, freedom from the octave, like a guardian, um, they uh, take care of all seven dimensions of the octave. And that's the goal. To return to the Father, return to the Logos, of course. So from the beginning, or uh, as to the nature of Source, in accord with the nature of Source, you or your true identity or human identity is immortality. Children of eternal life, of course. So, children we can say, uh, or not, but um, if we talk about humanity or beings as the outs of the offspring of the source of being, which is the source of love light, right? Beingness is simply the sentience of light. Beingness, ar- beingness is consubstantial with um, the very very nature of light as vibration. Vibratory light is sentient being. Sentient beingness is the nature of light. That's why they call it love light. Light whose nature is love. And its source is beyond mortality, and its source is eternity, or the source of life, or the nature of life, and that is why he can say at the beginning, from the beginning, at source, um, human identity is immortality. All men are created equal. Same. Children of eternal life because of um, the offspring of eternity, the source of love and light. You wished to, and you can hear at this way, here we're talking from the perspective of, of the one infinite creator or the Logos, the Logos wished to distribute death among itself so as to be free of it. Now, death just really means samsara, or arising and passing away, or, um, you know, the three marks. The Logos wished to uh, generate, or, or let's say the Heavenly Father, or Intelligent Infinity, wished to experience finity, wished to experience itself through the experience of what Buddha called the three marks, right? Impermanence, insubstantiality, and dukkha, suffering, pain. So, the Logos, um, as a representative of intelligent infinity, wished to experience the three marks, and wished to experience death, which include, which is the basic nature of uh, impermanence, arising, persisting, and passing away. That's called samsara, birth and death. That's death, distributing death, means have an octave experience, seven-dimensional experience, or the three realms, the desire realm, form realm, formless realm, the 49 planes, the three realms, the seven rays, all the same, seven dimensions, to experience uh, impermanence, 
arising and passing away, or death, within itself, in the octave, why? To consume it and annihilate it. How? To basically, you know, to Yeshua as the destroyer of death. Well, there are many ways of looking at that. Certainly, harvesting at a third density is the end of corporeal death. Um, the arising, pass, arising and passing away of bodies and states of mind in fourth density and fifth density, sixth density, and beyond. That experience of impermanence um, is very, very subtle compared to ours and really cannot be called death. It's, it's an initial freedom from death is harvestability to fourth density or life in fourth density and up is, is a first level killing of death or uh, death dying so that death might die in and through you. So the Logos wished to create samsara to be free of samsara. <laughs> create the three marks to, to be free of the three marks. How about that for a funny thing, right? So the, the, infant, the, the original desires entities seek and become one under the laws of karma, structuring of light um, with free will. That's cosmic structure. Cosmic plan being... Um, all beings seek and become one. The original desires that entities seek and become one, said Ra. So, the original desire <laughs> establishing entities that within a cosmic plan with, with law, such as the law of karma, or the nature of the sevenfold self, seven vehicle self, body, mind, spirit, complex, beingness, totality, the threefold octave self, or vehicle, uh, may seek and become one and return to source. That's the purpose of creation. <laughs> the, the function of creation is the purpose of creation. The experience of the function of creation is the purpose for which creation was established. It was created for its function and its goal. Or the purpose of its creation was for it to function according to its nature, the nature of cosmic structure and plan, meaning... Uh, soul evolution and the cosmic plan like some fellow's book and so mm, soul evolution in the cosmic plan is the purpose for which the creation was established and that could be called a death might that death might die in and through us as well as graduation at the third density for when you dissolve the world which is dissolving ignorance you know there are many stages to that right there's the ignorance dissolution that leads to harvestability. There's the ignorance dissolution that leads to union with higher self or return to the law of one. Then there's the ignorance dissolution or the tenth fetter avidya that is broken that leads one out of the octave. These are levels of dissolving the world. The world means maya, <laughs> ignorance avidya. And you're not yourself dissolved. And that's the point. And that's what you find in meditation. Wow, I can uh, go into this formless condition or this condition in which there's no thinking no self-checking no reflection of of thought or um uh, identity experience there's no experience of identity um and yet i'm not dissolved when it's over um but that's the different you know with enlightenment there is a, a full dissolution of of all falsehood but dissolving the world and are not yourselves destroyed because what are yourself? What is yourself? Right? Um, pure awareness, um, the the heart of sentience, the very nature of love light sentience, uh, 
find yourself and you'll find eternity but it's certainly far more than body mind personality uh, and then when that the, the world is dissolved or um, the three poisons are ended and avidya and is finished and one is out of distortion and um, out of restlessness one will find oneself is not dissolved but one is one's self is the one and that one is life not dissolved and killed and dead but free from the world of death that's called ruling over creation and the whole of corruption so seven densities the seven dimensional scheme is the whole of corruption the realm of samsara which goes all the way up through uh, you know the bodhisattva realm and um, the formless realms are in the higher planes in Buddhism, 31 planes actually, um, the higher formless realm, they are all of samsara too. That's corruption, but it's very subtle. Uh, and the rulership really means freedom from corruption, freedom from death, freedom from illusion, and that represents consuming and annihilating death. And that represents um, a full continence, and freedom from um, leaving distortions behind, right? No distortion leavings, uh, like Rob talked about the arising of uh, ramifications of blockage in the mind and the body coming up as distortion leavings through the adept path, like the hard stuff that comes up in meditation, dark night of the soul. Um, the leavings have left, been left behind. There are no more leavings. There's no more distortion. There's no more... Um, arising and passing away. And that's what the law of one is. There's no death in the law of one. The, you know, this law of one is also a very stilted way of talking. It's really the reality of unity. Reality, unity, reality. Um, reality as is, which is one. One life. Um, there, there is no death, also. And so, these are countless different uh, ways of talking about um, the, the the spiritual path and its achievements. Dissolve the world and are your, your and are not yourselves dissolved. Distributing death as the octave <laughs> for beings which are manifestation of the logos uh, to consume and annihilate death. Yeah, that's right. And Gautama also talked about many religions talk about victory over death, which certainly at the first level is freedom from three D cycling. Fragment 5. Images and Names However much a portrait is inferior to an actual face, just so is the world inferior to the, real, the living realm, i.e. the fullness, which is the pleroma. Now what is the cause of the effectiveness of the portrait? It is the majesty of the face that has furnished to the painter a prototype so that the portrait might be honored by his name. For the form was not reproduced with perfect fidelity, yet the name completed the deficiency in the act of modeling. And so also God, Heavenly Father, invisibly cooperates with that which has been modeled, i.e. the material world, to lend it credence. And again, I don't... This translation has deficiency like all translations and the uh, translator is not an adept obviously but obviously meaning <laughs> adepts don't do translation normally except for Tanisaro and some of the 
some of the monks <laughs> in uh, Burma, Sri Lanka, and Thailand, uh, some of these guys are Sotapanna and beyond uh, translating for sure, but that's kind of rare. This is the relationship between an image and a name, or why, um, why, what, what is the relation to the source of a portrait and the finished modeled product? And so, a portrait can be considered inferior to the actual face in the sense that the creation is inferior to its creator. Likewise, the world, or we can say the human material world, the, hu the material physical 3D space-time world, we can say the world of seven dimensions in the octave, is inferior or not of the same majesty, beauty, power, life, you know, um, potency, <clears throat> as its creator. So this material world and the octave as a whole could be said to be inferior or a distortion, distortion compared to that which uh, caused it to be, or the living realm, the pleroma. And so the pleroma here, <clears throat> you know, the pleroma, seven, the higher dimensions of the octave, uh, four through seven, are to the th physical world as um, the world of Logos, or um, the Sun, um, the creator of the octave, is to the seven dimensions of the octave. So we have source and creation. We have creator and creation, or creator source and creation manifestation, uh, which is akin to the image of a name. So a name is um, a modeling uh, of the being who's being named. And an image or a portrait <clears throat> is a modeled figure, a molded figure, um, that represents its the face of the one who's being painted. So, But there is this effectiveness to the portrait or to the modeled figure or to the name and the image. What is the, what is the cause of the effectiveness, whatever that means? <clears throat> meaning the power of a portrait, right? You see a portrait on the wall, and you say, wow, I can see the guy in the portrait, or that's a good portrait, or something. Why? This is the effectiveness of it. Why? It's the majesty of the face that furnished to the painter the prototype. And so the face is the source of the portrait uh, by way of the painter. The painter makes, you know, paints the face, and it becomes a portrait. Why? So the portrait could be honored by his name. Whose name? The name of the one whose face is painted. <laughs> so it's a portrait of George Washington, and we honor it because of the person of George Washington. So the majesty of the face <clears throat> is the greatness of the being who has a name and may be painted or may have a portrait made of that face of that being. And so this is, uh, again, like Plato's cave, where you have the world of form or, or real ideals, and then the physical world, which is a shadow or reflection of it. Likewise, <clears throat> the octave is a reflection of the Logos, is the name. The, the Son is the name of the Father. The octave is the name of the Logos. The material world is the realm, is, is the name or the image or a portrait of the invisible world, particularly the astral plane, and also the form maker body, right? The etheric. 
So six density uh, associated with the form maker body or etheric body energy field uh, is the source of the forms it's making. And so this were the Gnostics trying to understand um, humanity as um, ultimately consubstantial with its source, but not quite um, fully returned to the source. And so there's um, <clears throat> inferiority or, or, or di difference, difference in consubstantiality. Consubstantiality, again, means with substance or same substance. So the world is inferior to the living realm or the world of matter is um, a representation of the pleroma or of the world of form and ide of ideal, right? Three realms in Buddhism, desire realm, which is 3D physical and astral, actually, it seems to me. Then the form world and the formless. So the ideal world of Plato is the world of form in Buddha, Buddhism. And the basis of that is the formless. <laughs> uh, and the basis of uh, the three worlds of desire, 3D, basically, and form, higher dimensions, and formless, perhaps 6-7, the basis of that is the Logos, who is the face that gave um, rise to the portrait or the source of the name, the octave as the name of the Logos. So, but the form was not pre reproduced with perfect fidelity, uh, yet the name completed the deficiency in the act of modeling. How that? Uh, there is some, something missing um, in human beings from its source, of course. <laughs> That's why there's a path of evolution, is to complete the deficiency, or fin or rectify the deficiency and so that's why he says god invisibly cooperates with what has been modeled meaning created beings the material world or 3d to higher dimensions or souls to the source of soul evolution to lend it credence <laughs> like believability but that there's that you know this is the paradox of um true identity being one with source, I mean, you know, the river is simply water. And whether it's a river or a lake or a puddle or a drip, it's still water. And so the form is, the, the size and the nature and the form is different, but its substance is one. And so there is this continual cooperation or, or integration of the higher with the lower to help the lower... Um, rectify the deficiency or or end death and return to its source. So the majesty of the face furnishes the prototype so that a portrait might honor his name. And so the majesty of the Logos and higher self um, furnishes to a painter or is the form making that leads to um, a portrait or a manifestation of, of eternity and Godhead in human form. Now that's the case for all of us, but very, very few actualize and do the work of um, clearing away the false and the demons and the distortions to reveal true nature. But true nature is the same for all. Fragment 6 We'll just go through these and end this today, and then next time we'll go out of Valentinus to Gospel of Thomas. Fragment 6, from the Sermon on Friends.
Quote, Many of the things written in publicly available books are found in the writings of God's Church. For this shared matter is the utterances that come from the heart, the law that is written in the heart. This is the people of the Beloved, which is Beloved, and which loves Him. So, maybe this is a writing about the community of uh, early Christians. Uh, certainly, uh, so many of the things written in publicly available books, meaning exoteric knowledge, <clears throat> are found in the writings of God's Church. Now, is God's Church an esoteric truth? Does it mean higher dimensional communities? Does it mean the uh, community of adepts and, and Gnostics? I'm not sure. But we've got two things. We've got publicly available books, and then we've got writings of God's Church, which may either be human or uh, transcendental. So God's Church, human, to some extent, are the Gnostics, the adepts, the initiates, the mystics, uh, those whose lives um, are fully given to reunion um, and have um, awakening, some degree of awakening. Then there's the um, non-human God church, the non-human church, which is higher dimensional, you know, 3.6, the sanghas and communities of upper astral plane, and then higher dimensional devic groups or angelic groups, and positive extraterrestrial groups, and higher self, and the guardians. Those are also God's church, we can say. But there's this shared matter of what's available publicly, and the insiders, <laughs> the, the hierarchy, but it's really um, the hierarchy of, of the sages and the, the community of knowers, <clears throat> um, the rishis, um, the, the saints, human and non-human, uh, 3D and, and above, the community of saints and adepts and initiates and knowers um, has relationship to uh, the exoteric church. And so that's a shared matter. Uh, but he seemed to be saying that the, the, their heart is the same. The shared matter is the utterances that come from the heart, whether it's exoteric, physical, human, or esoteric, <clears throat> uh, transcendental, non-human, higher dimensional, uh, what's shared in common is all that comes from the heart, law that's written in the heart. And that's different than, than tribal law, <clears throat> Old Testament demiurge law, old Yahweh, false Yahweh law, that is not of love. And so the people who follow the law that's written in the heart, the heart law that is universal, are people of the beloved, or people who live in love, uh, who are beloved, or loved by higher dimensional beings too, <clears throat> and which loves him, or the community is loved and, and loves God, and God loves the community, we can say. So, this, um, in Yeshua said something like, there's no higher love than for a man to give his life for his friends. And that's the ideal, that I mean, that'll get you out of death. Um, the way, <clears throat> the way of martyrdom, actually, which is great love without so much wisdom, but it certainly leads to harvest out of fourth, out of third density to 40 positive. But the notion of um, true friend love, true friendship love, is really love that, that is not 
um, selfish, unselfish love. Brotherly love means unselfish love. And that's the community um, <clears throat> that is beloved by higher dimensional beings on the positive path. Uh, and they may or may not belong to any church or, or religion, obviously. It's the, the meek that will inherit the earth, the community of the beloved, um, who will take over this planet. <laughs> Fragment 7, Valentinius's, Valentinus's vision of the word, Logos, the fragment is, I saw a newborn child and questioned it to find out who it was. And the child, me, a child answered me, saying, I am the word. So that's pretty amazing, huh? So, um, symbolic, newborn child is um, the second birth, the resurrection, the Gnostic. The Gnostic has been reborn. Gnosis is re resurrection, of course. Gnosis is awakening. Initiation is awakening. Resurrection is resurrection, coming back up and out. That's exactly what Harvest of Fourth Density is. And uh, the Gnostic is an initiate, is the adept, is the one who's qualified to graduate because their heart is in love. And um, they are solidly committed on the positive path. And that is a newborn child, metaphysically. And who is it? It is the Logos. I am the Word. I am the Logos. I am... Mm, <clears throat> uh, my identity is your identity, <laughs> is our source. <clears throat> our source is our identity, same. And so, who it is? What's what's the identity of the resurrection? The identity of the resurrection is the logos. <laughs> source is the identity of the reborn being. The Gnostic. Who is the Gnostic? The Gnostic is the reborn child, is the second birth. But it's not a matter of um, reading the right doctrine and saying I agree. It's really a matter of um, discovering um, that self and love are one. Realizing essential unity, <clears throat> essential identity being love. That, that deeper level identity is love, which is the development of green ray, fourth chakra, same. And that is the resurrection, and that is a eating and destruction of death, and that is a freedom from material... 3D, re 3D repeating and cycling, of course. Finally, what we did from last time is the final psalm or poem from Valentinus called Summer Harvest. <clears throat> it was a hymn written by Valentinus um, from 139, you know, when he was in Rome, 139, 160 AD, right? So, <laughs> uh, 1800 plus years ago. Uh, in it, Valentinus offers a brief summary of his vision of the universe, beginning from below and ending with the aeons, or the powers, being produced by depth and silence in the fullness. The title of the hymn, <clears throat> um, Summer Harvest, beautiful title, um, the title of the hymn uses the type of agricultural metaphor typical of Valentinian thought, right, so there were farms everywhere. And uh, it was very sunny 1,800 years ago there, I tell you. A commentary, if you want to see, you get a sense of that from the movie Gladiator, when he goes to his um, his farm, his farmstead in, in Spain, wherever it was, Spaniard. Uh, that's how I saw it. <laughs> uh, if you want to see the agricultural uh, sunlight 
1800 years ago, look at the movie Gladiator and the Spaniard's Homestead, which is uh, uh, <clears throat> the main character. A commentary by a later Roman, Roman Valentinian is appended, but I don't need that. Uh, Summer Harvest. In the spirit, I see all suspended. In the spirit, I know everything held. The flesh hanging from the soul, the soul held aloft by the air. The air suspended from the ether. Fruit manifest, fruits manifest themselves out of depth. A child emerges from the womb. This is basically like uh, Valentinian haiku, or um, Zen Valentinus does uh, Basho. Basho? Basho was a great Japanese poet. So Valentinus does Basho 1800 years ago. Um, the aeons are cosmic powers of the pleroma, the fullness. Um, aeons produced by depth and silence, as I said last time, could be seen as um, um, the love, 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 free will, <laughs> depth and silence creating light. The aeons could be considered the 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 structured the structuring of the seven dimensional octave, the structuring of intelligent energy, as it fashions the seven dimensional octave. That <clears throat> the multiple um, structuring or mathematics, meta metaphysical mathematics or ratios of vibration and its harmonics that of light that create seven dimensions. That, that structuring uh, establishes the powers of the pleroma or the aeons uh, of the seven dimensional octave, I'd say. <clears throat> and you can say that the, that, that structuring came out of the logos, obviously, uh, by way, we can say, of depth and silence. That's how they put it. Depth is, I, I could say, infinite power. And silence is basically stillness. Um, and so style, silence is pre-vibrational. And depth is infinite power. This is just my way of reading it. And that's akin to first law of free will and second law of, of love. Um, silence as infinite love infinite love as a form of pre-vibrational stillness that gave birth to vibration and gave birth to noise and depth giving rise to a gradation or shallow or you know the duality of uh, deep and, and shallow or high and low <clears throat> and so uh, if the logos made the octave uh, or uh, the nature of the origin of light is the action of free will upon love First principle, free will. Second principle, love giving rise to light, intelligent energy. Um, that, the nature of that light are the powers of the octave or the aeons. The aeons being the powers that gave rise to and maintain octaves as, as they are. And you can say that that came out of some interplay of depth and stillness or infinite power <clears throat> and pre-vibrational silence. That's fine. But... Uh, in the spirit, I see all suspended, meaning in pneuma, the pneumatic. Pneuma is prana, is intelligent energy, actually. And that is the vision of unity. <clears throat> so mm, the pneumatic is the Gnostic, is the knower, is the one ultimately who is um, at one 
which is the one who knows higher self, or lives the law of one, or uh, is living in unity. That is the true Gnostic, actually. And that is the one <clears throat> that sees the, Ra said, that the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable. Ra said, the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable. Yeah, right. So you're looking at the physical, which is metaphysical, but only when we have eyes to see, um, and we digest death sufficiently, can we see that the physical is metaphysical. But the Gnostic knows, and so the Gnostic lives in spirit, and in that seeing, awareness, or living gnosis, they see, he sees, that totality, or all manifestation, is in a state of suspension, like standing fields of energy. Yeah, seven dimensions are here, right in front of you. It's all held in suspension, with multiple levels, uh, or, or only by um, multi, you know, the freedom of magnification, the um, gnosis of the magnus, who can magnify and see multiple dimensions right in front of them. In that, they see multiple, multi-dimensional suspension. And that, in that Gnostic view, or the awareness, the freedom, awareness release, Gautama talks about, the awareness release that leads to being able to live in spirit or see through Gnosis, uh, all that is held or suspended can be known. Like what? Well, first we have matter, flesh, that hangs from soul. Soul uh, is what? <clears throat> soul is true mind. Soul is a fourth density field intermediary between uh, 3D physicality and higher self. I can say that. Soul surely um, is um, a... a coalescence of the true man beyond the flesh is the spirit, personal spirit that gives rise to body-mind and the hanging flesh. So the flesh, or 3D physical, is a projection from soul, <clears throat> which is um, spiritual personality, or the spiritual being that uh, stands outside materiality. But that itself is held aloft by air. What is air? Air, I think here, is, is pneuma. Um, now, is air different than spirit? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I'm not sure what he means by soul held aloft by air, but you can say that uh, if you say that fourth, the fourth chakra is associated with fourth element air, so first, second, third, fourth chakras, four element correspondence, earth, water, fire, air, it fits with the idea that soul is a sort of standing field or a suspended field of uh, energy sentience in fourth density, midway between higher self and manifest 3D uh, incarnation. So that's the soul beingness that's in fourth density. That could be soul held aloft by air. The air itself, or the seven-dimensional scheme, or multidimensionality, is suspended or manifest from the ether. What is the ether? Etheric body is the form-making body, the sixth ray body, the energy field of six density, which really is one through six, which really taps into intelligent energy, right? Access to in contact with intelligent infinity, seven, gives rise to access to intelligent energy, six, and that's the ether. And so the one energy field or the, the light, the intelligent energy that gives rise to the seven-dimensional octave is the ether, 
within which air is suspended, within which soul hangs <laughs> or held, is held aloft, from which comes out matter or flesh. And the basic principle is that you know there's emergence, there's a su successive sequential emergence uh, of names from sources or fruits from depths. Fruits manifest themselves out of depth, out of deep comes um, dimensionality. Out of the non-dimensional void comes dimensionality. Fruit emerges, um, the octave as a fruit, or manifestation as the fruit of um, completed process of its source. And so all that emerges comes from the depth or the void. Creation comes from pre-creational. Vibration comes from the pre-vibrational. Sound comes from sound and vibration, right? Same. Comes out of the silence. And so, um, likewise, form comes from the formless. And the form, formless schema comes from its source. A child emerges from the womb. <clears throat> and so that's emergence, spiritual emergence, which is spiritual awakening, which is freedom from death, which is new birth, which is, you know, the the path of successive initiation and awakening which is continual rebirth actually and so i think saint paul or paul said i die daily something like that and so there is continual death and rebirth uh the question is what is being born is it uh of greater love wisdom unity and um harmony with god or source or all or not What's, what's being born? Distortion or mm, love, light, uh, wisdom, compassion, um, and greater awareness you know, in truth. So that'll be where we stop for the reading with Valentinus. <clears throat> and um, you can see he's pretty, pretty um, a well-initiated Gnostic adept knower and um, very lovely heart. And um, uh, 1,800 years later, we can rediscover and uh, understand a, a fuller metaphysics compared with raw material or integrated with raw material and, and teachings of Gautama Buddha in early Buddhism and um, see a very lovely um, presentation of cosmology and the path. So thank you very much. Next time we'll go to uh, begin again the Gospel of Thomas and get into the Oxyrhynchus fragments. Thank you very much, Valentinus, and also uh, translator, Mr. Layton. Uh, take good care of yourself. See you next time, and good night.